This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 12.03, Friday afternoon, February 3rd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on this chilly Friday afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. Need to know advice before buying a home. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, a surprising government jobs report for January is today's headliner. Let's break it down with the assistance of Gus Fauché, Chief Economist, PNC Financial Services, based in Pittsburgh. Gus, thanks for joining us today. Uh, It's at 517,000 new jobs in the month of January. I mean, it's a great number no matter how you slice it. But does that number from the Labor Department this morning line up with the weekly claims for unemployment we had been seeing in the weeks leading up to this announcement? Um, we have seen weekly claims for initial unemployment insurance decline to you know the lowest levels in decades. Uh, that being said, this report was stronger than we expected. Uh, it could be that it's overstated, that there are some seasonal adjustment issues going on. Uh, and we are seeing layoffs in tech industries, and you know presumably that would weigh on job growth. So um, I wouldn't quite take this report at face value, but what it does tell us is that the labor market is extremely strong entering 2023. Some good news, especially from a Fed policymaker standpoint is that, yes, the job market is red hot, but the wage pressures just aren't there. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, wages are up about 4.5% over the past year or so. Before the pandemic, wages were rising at around 3%, so the Fed would like to see a bit more slack in the job market and a bit softer wage growth. That being said, we have seen wage growth slow uh, since early 2020, excuse me, since early 2022, uh, and, you know, it's headed in the right direction, And I, but I still think that there are some significant labor market pressures out there. The labor force participation rate uh, went up. It's now at 62.4%. This may be a discussion for another time when you have more time, but looking under the hood at just who is working these days, uh, that labor force participation rate, there was a lot of churn there because a lot of people retired uh, as the pandemic settled in. Has that sorted itself out? 
Um, we still see a lot fewer people, let's say 65 plus, in the labor force now compared to before the pandemic. I think what happened is is that uh, some people were concerned about catching COVID or they did catch COVID. Other people, you know, maybe were planning on working for a few more years, but when the pandemic hit, decided to take early retirement. Uh, what I think this means is that businesses can't count on more people coming into the labor force to help them with their labor difficulties. Uh, the businesses need to rethink all of their HR hiring wage practices uh, in order to attract talent, given that we have a structurally tighter labor market post-pandemic compared to pre-pandemic. And it also looks like the services side of the economy has uh, come very close to recovering all the jobs lost in 2020. Um, yeah, so uh, you know we continue to see strong uh, job gains in service industries, uh, up more than three hundred thousand over the month. Uh, you know, uh, leisure hospitality services continues to add jobs, still below its pre-pandemic level, but there's some improvement there. And then we saw the uh, the ISM uh, services index that was surprisingly strong in, in January. Uh, so that's an indication that perhaps uh, you know that the service uh, sector is, is holding up pretty well, despite some of the drags that we're seeing from higher interest rates. Gus Fauché, Chief Economist, PNC Financial Services in Pittsburgh. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, some critical questions to ask before you commit to buying a house. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. A home is most likely the biggest investment a person or couple will make, and you don't want to do so without making sure you answer some key questions first. Let's task the expertise of Steve Kirch, who is the real estate editor for MarketWatch in Chicago. Steve, thanks for joining us today. If you want to get into the housing market, especially now, you have to do a lot of math, especially when it comes to uh, the interest rate you will pay versus the one you have right now, especially if you do have a mortgage. So you got to ask yourself, first off, do I want to move? Yeah, do, do I want to buy a home at all uh, in this changing market? The housing market, you know, is, is kind of on edge this year. We don't know which way it's going to go. So I think that's the first question you have to ask yourself is whether you want to be a homeowner in the first place. And if you do, or if you're just curious as to look in it, then the next question for you is, uh, you know, do you know what you want and and where you want it? And by what I want, I mean, do you need a single family home in the suburbs? Are you looking for a condominium or townhome in a more urban environment? Uh, those are questions that, that you have to reckon with before you get out there uh, so that you can at least narrow down your hunt. And if you're jumping into the first-time homebuyer market, I mean, sometimes you just have to do it. I know when, I, when we bought our first home, my wife and I, we had simply run out of room in our apartment. Uh, there was nowhere else to go. We had to go buy a house. And that might be the case for a lot of other people. But uh, when we jumped into the housing market, uh, interest rates were in the threes, and now they're in the sixes and sevens for first-time homebuyers. And that really changes your budget when it comes to how much house you can buy and how much you can afford on a monthly basis. Yeah, it is true, Rob. I mean, sometimes, you know, you you just have to jump because, you know, you think it's the right life choice for you. But I think you do have to seriously consider, you know, the financial questions. Are you financially ready to buy a home and own a home? Uh, is your income high enough to afford what you want? Uh, do you have the down payment that you're going to need on the property? Um, so, and is your monthly budget, you know, going to work on whatever it is you're going to buy? 
And then, you know, renting, obviously, you're not building equity in your property, but it does give you the flexibility to get up and move and go someplace else if it turns out you don't like the area after a couple of months or maybe a couple of years. But uh, if you're buying a house in a particular area and you discover you don't like it, uh, that's a, a hard fork in the road to find yourself at. Right. It's a it's a difficult transaction buying and selling a home. And so you and it's somewhat illiquid, right? We know the housing market can be difficult. So you, you don't want to get stuck in a place and in a property that's not right for you. You have to also ask yourself, are you even mentally ready for what home ownership brings? Let's not forget around here, that's a lot of shoveling. Uh, you know, security can be a concern in a single family home. And what about maintenance? You know, what happens the first time the toilet breaks and you don't have a landlord to call to fix it? Yeah, there's no greater lesson in the number, you know, a house is a collection of things that can go right or a collection of things that can go wrong. And in my own experience, I mean, I learned that lesson the hard way when the night we moved in, uh, I was walking in the upstairs portion of the home and walked into a puddle and all of a sudden, wait a minute, the roof leaks. And then a couple of weeks later, the sewer backed up into the basement. And you talk about being psychologically ready for home ownership. Like I guess it was going to the school of hard knocks, but that's something you have to know that if it doesn't work, it's on you to fix it or to find a way to fix it. It's the entry requirement into the club of home ownership. And, 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 and you spend a lot of money, and then you get a lot of good stories uh, and mileage out of it once you're done. But you have to consider that into your budgeting, that uh, it's not just enough to have the down payment. It's not just enough to have the mortgage. You have to have some money socked away in case you do walk into that puddle during the rainstorm where puddles aren't supposed to be. Right. A good rule of thumb is to take about you know 1% of the purchase price i think that's about for per monthly so if you buy a $500,000 house you're going to need to think about $500 a month in maintenance costs for sure and then a rainy day fund as you point out you never know when that rain's going to be on the inside of your house and that's what that fund is going to be for but uh if if you're on the fence and you're feeling uh, rather anxious about jumping into the housing market and you hear all the horror stories in this segment about uh you know the the, the cost and the maintenance and the surprises uh at the end of the day the sense of satisfaction if you really do like where you live is pretty immense yeah, I mean, when when spring and summer rolls around and you can sit out in your own backyard on your own patio, grill your own burgers, uh, entertain the neighbors, I mean, that that's a feeling that, that comes, you know, with homeownership, too. And that's when those are the days when you get to appreciate all that money and all that trouble you went through. Steve Kirch, real estate editor with Market Watch, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, a, a look at the so-called January trifecta and what it says about stocks going forward. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
Hard. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Financial markets have delivered to investors a so-called January trifecta. Joining us now to explain is Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com based in Washington. Mark, let's begin by explaining the January trifecta. Well, basically, it refers to three different periods around the end of December through the end of January in which the market, if it goes up, is thought to be a good harbinger of uh, strength for the rest of the year. And those three periods are, number one, they refer to it as the Santa Claus rally period. It starts at Christmas and goes to the first two trading days of January. That's period one. Period two is the first five trading days of January. And the third is the full month of January. And over those three different periods, the market rose this year, and that's where the word trifecta comes. Now, I have to say, I don't believe in this as having any significance, but nonetheless, Wall Street loves to tell stories and come up with nice, catchy titles, and this is one of them. Now, is this also a function, just looking back on market performance in January and in late December as well, is this a function of the idea that 2022 was such a rough year, I mean, it was worst year since 2008, that uh, the market simply had nowhere else to go? If it only were that easy. Unfortunately, if you go back through history, there have been plenty of times where terrible years are followed by additional terrible years. So there's no there's no uh, uh, reason to expect that the market will bounce back after it's gone down. Sometimes it just keeps going down. And uh, all I have to do is go back to the 1930s to find an absolutely terrible illustration of that phenomenon. So uh, I don't think that's really what's going on here. Um, January typically is a strong month anyway. So there is some seasonal bias that, uh, that January is a good month of the year. But the fact that uh, that there is no such fact that the market is correlated with January such that it gives you a leg up on the rest of the year if indeed it's strong. And the analysis so far seems to indicate that uh, investors are betting on the Fed threading the needle, that they will be able to wring the inflation out of the economy without tipping us into recession. And what happens if those bets go wrong? Well, yeah, absolutely. That's the $64,000 question. Basically, The way the markets work and the reason it's so hard to beat the market is that at any given time, the market's level reflects all known information at that point because we have millions of investors following the market and they all make their bet. Excuse me. They all make their bet simultaneously. And and the reflection of their average bet is probably the best guess we have for where the market's going. So whether the market will go up or down from here is a function of whether the news in coming months will be better or worse than what we already know. And, of course, that's exactly a coin flip, because if we knew there was a greater probability of the market going up or down, we'd buy today. We wouldn't wait until later. And so the market would adjust accordingly. Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Thanks for joining us today. Still ahead in Entrepreneur Friday, turning magic into a successful business. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9.
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. President Biden reacts to a stronger than expected jobs report. We're learning more about a balloon in the skies of the Northwest U.S. that's been linked to China. It's Entrepreneur Friday, a local magician with a successful business that also incorporates balloons. With the release of the government jobs report for January, we'll take a look at local jobs. WBBM Business, the Markets are lower now. The Dow down 184 points. The Nasdaq is down 147. And the S&P 500 is down 41. Eight degrees right now in Chicago under mostly sunny skies. Feels like two below. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour. The unemployment rate at a 54-year low. It's 3.4% after 517,000 jobs were created in the month of January. President Biden doing a victory lap, touting the numbers as a reflection of his economic Plan. Created 12 million, 12 million jobs since I took office. That means we have created more jobs in two years than any presidential term. The leisure and hospitality sectors showed the biggest gains in January. The Pentagon says that a Chinese balloon is now moving eastward over the central U.S. It's rejecting China's claims it's not being used for surveillance. In Billings, Montana, yesterday, Chase Doak was leaving work when he saw a big white blob in the sky. Video he took appears to show electronic equipment hanging from that balloon. I was looking out the window like I normally do, and I just happened to spot it out of the corner of my eye and at first i thought it was a star but i thought that was kind of crazy because it was broad daylight and and when i looked at it it was just too big to be a star so far the american military dismissing calls to shoot the balloon down because of potential risks to people on the ground it's 12:32 as the noon business hour continues markets are lower today we're joined by vahan janjigi and chief investment officer greenwich wealth management based in greenwich connecticut vahan thanks for joining us today and it seemed like uh, as far as the markets were concerned It was a catch-22. If the jobs report came in too hot, investors wouldn't like it because of the potential for uh, more interest rate hikes. But if it came in as expected or weaker, uh, investors would have sold off on recession fears. Yeah, you know, I I think the sell-off we're experiencing today really has nothing to do with the jobs report. I mean, the bottom line is that the stock market uh, started off the year with a bang. Um, It just rallied very strongly from the start of the year, and and this kind of pace cannot possibly continue. So I think we're seeing uh, profit-taking, you know, perhaps uh, some of the recent earnings reports and and maybe this jobs report contributed to the profit-taking. But for the most part, I think this jobs report is actually um, very good news because it tells us that the Fed's rate hikes um, have not really uh, hurt the jobs market and uh, may not cause the recession that everybody has feared. Um, now, unfortunately, uh, you know, some people interpret that to mean that the Fed may continue raising rates. Um, my view is that the Fed does not need to raise rates. I think we've gone to a level that's uh, perfectly appropriate. Um, unlike uh, some analysts, I do not expect the Fed to pivot and start reducing rates by the end of the year. I think they should just keep them where they are. Because, of course, uh, monetary policy works with a lag, and you know we need to wait a little while and, and see what these uh, rate effects will do. And on top of that, 2022 was unique in that the market had wild swings 
in response to all sorts of stimuli, whether it was data, whether it was world events, whether it was uh, particular uh, earnings reports, that's that's outside the norm. And we may be uh, returning to uh, uh, a sense of, of the way things were prior to 2022. Well, you know, interestingly, I, I would say that uh, the market typically does exhibit some volatility. And we went through a, you know extended period of time until 2022 when we had very little volatility. So 2022 is really more of a return to the norm. And I expect that kind of volatility to continue this year, because, of course, on, you know, on international fronts, uh, you know, Russia's war in Ukraine is not over. And um, we're going to see a lot more uh, impact from that uh, on the world economy and also on the stock market. So I don't think I don't think volatility is going anywhere. Uh, it may even pick up a little bit. And uh, tech stocks weighing on the market today, uh, Google parent Alphabet down uh, half a percentage point, Amazon down 5%, uh, all based on uh, disappointing earnings reports. I mean, and and it's real kind of an about face, especially compared to the uh, surprisingly good uh, fourth quarter report from Meta. Yeah, you know, but uh, again, um, Amazon, uh, Google, they're really selling off a lot today. But these stocks have come off of some, you know, really low lows. Um, they had a terrible year in 2022. Um, they've rallied very strongly so far in, in 2023. And even with uh, today's sell-off, you know, Amazon is one of the best performing stocks, up 25% year to date. So I'm not too concerned about uh, the market's actions today. Now, of course, Amazon is a relatively um, overvalued or, or expensive stock compared to uh Google or Apple or, or even Meta. So um, if I was going to go into any of these things, I'm not sure I would jump into Amazon right now. But I do expect uh, this sell-off to uh, slow down and eventually improve because, um, remember, these stocks are, are priced on future expectations. Um, and even Apple, which is up today, didn't have such a stellar earnings report. But Investors are betting that the worst is over. Where do we go from here on a near-term basis? Because uh, the heavyweights have all reported their fourth quarter earnings. Where the uh, A lot of the inflation reports are in the past. The Fed has uh, made a policy determination. So uh, how, what, what's going to move the markets in the next couple of days? Well, I don't really expect much to move the markets in the, in the next few days. I think in the near term, we can see the markets remain about where they are. Uh, maybe go a little bit lower just to, you know, just because people are taking some of the profits that they had from uh, January's rally. But uh, longer term, I'm still, you know, optimistic. I do expect the market to be up approximately 15 percent for this year. In fact, we have many stocks right now that are up well over 15 percent so far this year. Vahan Jinjigian, Chief Investment Officer, Greenwich Wealth Management, based in Greenwich, Connecticut. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up in Entrepreneur Friday, is this your card? Turning a love of magic into a living. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday, and this afternoon we're putting the spotlight on a Chicago-area magician and a businessman. We welcome in Tim Adams, magician and founder of Adams Entertainment, the amazing Tim Adams, based in Naperville. Tim, thanks for joining us today. What got you into magic in the first place? That's a funny story. I was about five years old, and uh, or actually about nine years old, and my mom bought a book home from the library about Houdini. And then I read that book, and I said, that's what I want to do, and that book disappeared. So, <laughs> <laughs> And that, that wasn't your doing. That just, uh, or it, it, it might have been your doing, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't part of the act. 
Right, right. So, and then I started doing magic when I was about nine years old. I put little shows together in the, the garage for the kids to come over and uh, all the neighbor kids would give me like 25 cents and I'd do a show for them. Now, did you grow up in the Chicago area? I grew up in Hobart, Indiana. So yeah, in the Chicago area. So were you one of those kids who uh, watched uh, Marshall Brodeen as uh, Wizzo on the Bozo show? Was that part of your uh, origin story? Oh, I love Marshall Burdine and uh, Wizzo. And, uh, in fact, I was on the Bozo show, and unfortunately he was not there at the time. But uh, he was a big influence on me. I loved the Bozo show, and, uh, uh, and Wizzo was fantastic with the TV magic cards and everything. You did perform on the Bozo show. And when did you get, uh, at what point in the show's history uh, were you on the Bozo show? Oh, wow, that was years ago. But uh, I can't remember the exact date. But it, it was a memorial time because they had a... Uh, uh, a pie, and you know, I don't know if you know, but they make the pie out of shaving cream. Um, and at one point in the show that I was on, I think uh, Bozo actually bit into the pie, so he was biting the shaving cream, and everybody started laughing. Now, before we go on about the rest of your career, but as this is always amazing to me because I'm a Chicago kid too. I grew up watching the Bozo show. I never managed to go on because uh, I was always told that uh, you, if you wanted to be in the audience. For the Bozo Show, your parents had to get the tickets before you were born. But I've been in that studio at Channel 9, and it always blows me away how tiny that room actually is. Because when I was a kid, and I'm sure you felt the same way, that room seemed massive. Yeah, it felt like it was a, a, a gigantic, it was like as big as the Sears Tower, right? When you're looking on TV, it's like, what? And then you get on there, and uh, it's really weird because you had to look at the camera, but the audience is all the way to the right. So you're like playing to the camera, but the audience is to the right. It was really weird. So you're a performer. You're, you 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 do magic, but you also have to have a, a, a patter and an act. And a lot of like the greatest entertainers throughout history did a little bit of magic at, at, at the very beginning. I mean, Johnny Carson uh, got his first taste of performing in Nebraska as a kid, as the great Carsonian. He would do a couple of tricks on the Tonight Show. And uh, you know, how much of your routine? Is the actual doing of magic the sleight of hand, and how much of it is the onstage patter? I would say it's about uh, 50-50. So I, I've been doing magic so long that my uh, manipulation or uh, precedentation, as they call it, is pretty good. But you also have to be funny. Um, I used to do stand-up comedy clubs, so I know how to entertain without any magic at all, so I could be entertaining without it. So, But by adding the two together, it makes just a winning combination. And you've turned this into a business, and, and where have you performed? I mean, outside of, of comedy clubs and the Bozo Show and Comedy Central, you know, where, where, where do you do your thing? Yeah, my number one is uh, family entertainers. So I entertain at birthday parties. I also do uh, elementary schools, preschools during the summer, libraries. Uh, those are my big markets. So um, I would say that's about 80% of my markets. And, and you also uh, are, are on, a, uh, on cruise ships. You're recently on the Orient Cruise Lines. How does that work as a performer? Do you have to sign a contract for a, a particular number of voyages or you on the ship for a couple of weeks, a couple of months? What's your, how does that work for you? Sure. Usually when you go to a cruise ship, you're there for like, it just depends how long you're going to be there. Three, sometimes they fly you in the night before. You're just there for a couple of days. Other times you're there for the whole week. Um, and you usually perform only one night. So you get a cruise out of it and you get to perform two shows in one night and you get to be on a cruise for the rest of the week. We were on a uh, Disney cruise back in April and we there was a magician that was the entertainment for one night in the Walt Disney Theater on the ship. And uh, I have three young children and uh, they went to the show and they were just blown away. I mean, they, they, they loved it. They 
love the uh, they, they they love the sleight of hand aspect. They really enjoyed the patter. They had a great time. Uh, we did end up buying a magic kit for my oldest daughter as a result. So that must be you might you must see that a lot. Kids enjoying the show and maybe uh, igniting that love of magic. You get to pass it on to somebody else. And that's kind of what I'm doing now is I love to uh, have the kids excited about the show. Um, part of what I feel my responsibility is, is to encourage kids and uh, for the next generation, right? For the new magicians coming out. And uh, that's really, really excites me about my shows and that and to see their faces light up when I'm doing the magic, you know, cause they're so amazed. They just love it. And then before I let you go, uh, I know uh, Marshall Brodeen wasn't there when you were performing on the Bozo show, but uh, did you get to see, see the stone of Zanzibar? I, uh, I got to hang out with Marshall Brunin several times in the Chicagoland area, um, and he was just amazing. Um, but I don't think I saw that there that day. But he was an amazing guy, just an amazing story. Tim Adams, founder and uh, magician and founder of Adams Entertainment, uh, based in Neighborville. He's the amazing Tim Adams. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The government jobs report for January was surprisingly strong. Let's take a look at the local employment picture with Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern in Chicago. Rick, thanks for joining us today. The unemployment Employment rate in the nation is at a number we have not seen since 1969. What is the employment picture like, not only in the Chicago region, but uh, potentially throughout the state of Illinois? Uh, the employment number is still pretty solid. Uh, the issue that we run into is the news is what's happening in large tech, where a company may cut 400, 500, uh, 4,000 or 5,000 people. But when you look at the impact that has on the unemployment number, it's really pretty small. It just it seems to dominate the news. Uh, Illinois is not much different than the rest of the market, except we don't have quite the same number of tech and science jobs. But we have a pretty diverse market, um, and there are still plenty of opportunities out there for people uh, who, are, who are looking for work. What's really driving the job market these days, it seems like, is the uh, pickup in the services sector. And are we seeing that uh, throughout the Chicago area as far as the op- as far as job openings? Absolutely. You know, if you think about it, the service area for two things, services for people and then services for things that people need on a regular basis. So if you look at the trades, whether it's construction, electrical work, plumbing, et cetera, those are still quite strong and will continue to be. There's a huge shortfall of electricians nationwide and Illinois is no different. And then on the on the human side, you know, taking care of people, that's teachers. We still are shortfall on teachers, nurses, nurse practitioners, social workers, elder care functions. There's a lot of places where, you know, I might know or want to know my physical therapist. I wouldn't care less who my coder was for my software. And then uh, as far as the uh, restaurant scene in downtown Chicago is concerned, I have noticed at least three days out of the week, the uh, train is a little snug. Uh, used to be There used to be a lot of open seats, and now uh, when you get on the train, uh, there you have to walk a little ways to uh, find a place to sit down. So clearly, more and more people are going to the office in downtown Chicago. It may not be five days a week, but it is three days a week, and chances are there's probably a lot of restaurants that uh, need help. Yeah, that's true. And actually, on top of that, not only are people going back to the office, but Condé Nast perennially picked Chicago as one of the biggest tourist attractions in the world. So you have both the combination as the summer comes around, the spring comes around. Uh, you have, which is fun to talk about now. Uh, you, no you have kidding. Both the, 
<laughs> you have both businesses going back to the office and people coming to Chicago to see the sites. And then what, what are some things very quickly that you can do if you're in the job market right now, you know it's red hot, uh, really just kind of maximize the experience? Yeah. So I think the thing that you have to, you know, you don't look where everybody else is looking. You have to differentiate yourself in some way in the market. So that means you have to be more direct and aggressive about how you network into places as opposed to expecting that Indeed or some other job board is going to find the job for you. It's not a passive place. That's not how it works. We hire people that we like, and we don't like them until we know them. And there are a lot of opportunities that will present themselves when you have a conversation with somebody who has the potential to hire you just based on chemistry. Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern, based in Chicago. Thanks for the insight. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.